Hi everyone! Welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. Uh, This week it's episode 31 and it's the last episode in July and because of that I wanted this episode to be about a Beverly Jenkins book and you might be asking yourselves um why? Why did she want to do that? Because if you weren't aware Rom BookPod has declared July Jenkins July and they've had you know fantastic prompts all month long talking about Miss Beverly Jenkins wonderful books they've had episodes they had a the, I will put in the show notes like a link to um the episode at the beginning of the month with her that was I thought was so cool because they all got to ask her questions and it was just really really a lot of fun to listen to so I thought you know what what a what's the best way to close out the month of July which at the same time feels really surreal because I feel like July 1st was pretty much a day and a half ago and here we are like at the end of July um but with a Miss Beverly Jenkins book now um there is a wonderful wonderful and, and wonderful human um and I don't believe I know her real name no because I don't know this young lady in real life but on twitter uh her she goes by sensational rainy is it rainy or is it rainy if it's rainy if i'm fucking it up i'm really sorry and her ad is m form lee 1920 or i could have just said 1920 whatever wow as soon as i start recording i hear sirens this whole time that i've been in my room there have been no sirens i just just right right now right right now when i've started recording of course fdny is like can we show up and can we just can we just can we just partake can we have a cameo anyway in case you weren't sure, I live in New York City, in the Bronx, and sometimes the FDNY is doing their job, of course, and they sort of, you know, are a little loud. Anyway, back to my point. So, Sensationally Rainy created a thread on 7-6, so July 6th. Again, it's crazy to me that that, that wasn't, like, yesterday. Um, she created a thread and of she put together a chronological timeline of her books and she listed the locations and year the main story starts the name of the main characters and the year it was published she did put the caveat there's some details missing but it's about 90 percent accurate i think and i was like oh that is amazing because the thing is right miss bev has a lot of books and her historicals right i mean i there are certain, you know, you know, the Destiny's sort of trilogy and, you know, Forbidden, Breathless, and Tempest, you know, go together because of the continuity of the characters. But there's so many, there's so much more to it. And I thought it was so cool to be able to be like, oh, like, this is the very first book, chronological. Not the first book Miss Bev put out, but this is the old, you know, as far back as we go in time with her books. Um this is the first one and so that book is midnight which is the book i'll be talking about today right it is set in 1775 boston and the what was it called the massachusetts something colony i should look that up since you know i have an ebook and so you know with an ebook you can just search for terms 
um, as opposed to being like flipping through pages. Um, Massachusetts Bay Colony, right? And Boston was the capital of that. And I'm saying this because like, I didn't grow up here, so I did not learn no US history of any kind. And pretty sure when I first moved here, I think I knew before I moved here that Boston was on the coast. Did I know it was in Massachusetts? Probably not. I'm sure I learned that once I moved here. Um, anyway. So it's set um, in, in that time p- period, right? Our two main characters are uh, Faith Kingston. She is both... She's the innkeeper's daughter. So she... But but she's not like the innkeeper's daughter. And like dad has a lot of money because he runs an inn. And she gets to like chill and just like you know live off the money no she does all the work um throughout most of the book i'm like does does he do anything at this inn other than walk around and be insufferable and i'm pretty sure he doesn't um i'm pretty sure that he does nothing and she does all the work so she's the innkeeper her father's just the figurehead um but she's also (laughs) she doubles as a spy that's right guys a spy and you might be like a spy 1775 very little i know about u.s history y'all's the 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 revolution comes i think the next year right 1776 something like that don't know say our other main character uh nicholas gray is a smuggler and a soldier right it's like oh okay which makes sense for the time period you know smuggling because you know shit is mad expensive so you gotta smuggle it or it's impossible to get it through for example a naval blockade and the harbor and then the villain of the piece i mean i feel like there are several there's one like main villain right Stuart Kingston, which you're like, Stuart Kingston, that sounds familiar. Didn't you just say yes? Faith's father is trash and is also the villain. Um, but on a smaller scale, of course, you know, the British general Gage is a villain and the really terribly described William Case who wanted, you know, to buy the inn and also basically buy Faith's hand in marriage is also kind of a villain because he, he garbage. Um, so, but, like, our main, main villain, like, our really, like, you know, villain to the core, um, is Stuart Kingston. So, this is the book I'm going to talk about today, right? Um, it was published in 2010, so actually not that long ago. It's hitting its 10-year anniversary. It's been around for 10 whole years, but it was set much farther, much farther away. Um, and... One of the things that I've always really appreciated about Miss Beverly Jenkins' books is, as I mentioned, right, I did not grow up here. I was, <gasps> quick, quick story time, friends. I was born in New York City, technically in Brooklyn, at a hospital that still exists, Woodhall, off the J train at Flushing. It's, it's, it was a bad hospital then. It's a terrible hospital now. But miracles do happen because I'm alive and well. But then we moved as a family to Toronto. So I grew up in Canada. I was five. So I grew up in Canada and obviously went to school in Canada. So what did I learn? Canadian history. And to be fair, I don't know how much I learned. Um, and then I moved back to New York in 2000. 
Yo, I just realized I moved back to New York when this book was published. I moved back May 23rd of 2010. Um, And so there's a lot about U.S. history, especially U.S. history pertaining to Black people that I was not aware of. Um, And for another sort of side tangent, a lot of people right now, I think, are, are feeling worried that they're going to do and say the wrong thing, that they're going to make mistakes as they try to, you know, figure out how we can dismantle the system that is white supremacy. And I think that everyone has to understand that you're going to make mistakes, right? You're not going to get it right the first time, maybe not even the second time. You're going to make mistakes and that is okay, right? I am, you know, when people see me, see pictures of me, I clearly look black. I sound like I'm a black person, right? I'm I'm black presenting. Here's the thing. Not only was I not raised in this country, my parents are immigrants. I am a child of immigrants, first generation. My mother is from Colombia. My father's from Honduras. I couldn't go home and be like, hey, mom, hey, dad, what do you know about the civil rights movement in the United States? What do you know about reconstruction what do you know about jim crow what they're looking at me like child what in the i don't know because we not from here so i also had to learn a lot of this information right i didn't just you know like we we none of us are born and just like flows let me rephrase that some people have parents or family or a, a support system that really does engage with so much of the history that is omitted from school curriculums and that person grows up with that knowledge with that background that is not the case for most of us and that is okay i mean let's work on you know making maybe changing that so future generations aren't like oh the only reason i ever heard about this is because this one person talked about it in a podcast but like but like It is okay if you make mistakes. And I bring that back to say, with Miss Bev's books, it's a romance, right? Like, it's a romance podcast, right? There's a happily ever after. Two characters meet and fall in love in a difficult time period. But while we are falling in love with these characters and their story, we're also being shown and taught aspects of history that maybe we knew about and maybe we didn't. And there I highlighted one sentence in Ms. Bev's author note. It's almost at the end of the author note. Um, and it's after, you know, she mentions the text that she, you know, got a lot of her information from. And it says, knowledge is power, but shared knowledge empowers us all. And I highlighted that because immediately as I read that sentence, I was like, whoa, yes, this, right? Not having knowledge, knowing things is power, right? When you know certain things, then you know, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but you know what I mean. But when you can share that knowledge, when that knowledge is shared, it empowers groups of people. It empowers, you know, it can empower a generation. It can empower people to make you know decisions based on you know knowledge and not you know misinformation or 
ignorance or um, completely false information kind of thing. And so to me, I feel like when you read a Miss Beverly Jenkins books, you are lucky because like you're lucky beyond words because she chose to write and then chose to share her, you know, amazing talent with the world. Um, B, you get a fan, you know, you get a love story, you get a romance, you get, you know, you get to see these two characters as they navigate the issues that they have, um, as they navigate the conflicts that arise, whether those conflicts are internal or external, and you get to enjoy a happily ever after with them. You be, see, uh, I realized it's like A, B, and then I was like, I'm going to say two or something. See, you get to see history happening. But as opposed to, you know, when we're looking at nonfiction texts, that can be a bit more dry or that sometimes can't really... Sometimes it's hard when you're reading nonfiction to really imagine a scenario or a time in a place and fiction at least for me fiction i'm able to and so it was really interesting because i read the book and there was um the first uh black woman um who was a who was a slave who was who's ever published and i think they were saying also maybe the first woman uh in the colonies who was published um she was a poetess uh phyllis white and i want to say Two days later, I was on, you know, the Instagrams and saw some, you know, oh, not Phyllis White. Wow. Look at me being trash. Phyllis Wheatley. Wheatley? Wheatley? I don't know. Sometimes, you know, don't know say. I'm going to go with Phyllis Wheatley. If you're like, no, Astra, actually it's Wheatley or Wheatley, then, you know, you can just tell me. Um, but yeah, I read this and I was like, okay. And like literally like two days later, uh, there was like, you know, an Instagram post of like, you know, black women in history. We wish we'd been taught about in school. There was Phyllis Wheatley. And I was like, oh, I, I just learned about her too. Like, oh my God, like, yes, 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 yes. Um, and so I think that, that like the fact that she puts so much research into her books and does such a phenomenal job of crafting these stories in these time periods where if someone had asked me when I was 15 or 16 about romance during you know the American Revolution or the Civil War especially having grown up in Canada I probably would have assumed and talked about the romance from the angle of you know white people because I, I, I cannot, I don't believe I saw any books with black people on the cover that weren't shelved in urban section. Like in the romance section, I don't think I saw pictures with black people on the cover until I probably saw Miss Beverly Jenkins. And I know that that was well after high school. I was probably in my early 20s when I first saw that. I was like, wait, wait, those are old lady, you know, um, clothes. Those are, or sorry, not old lady, because you're going to be like, you mean grandma clothes? Like, no, I meant like, um, as Danny Reeds likes to say, old timey clothes. Uh, but those black people in them, 
but old timey, but out west, but black people, hmm. So I think that she really is able to create and share with us these books and the other, you know, I mean, there are many benefits. One of the other benefits, um, it's really easy um, because this is what is usually lauded to fall into the trap of believing that all black people who were enslaved suffered day and night, right? And all they did was be slaves, suffer, die. And there were no moments of joy, no moments of happiness. There wasn't love. There wasn't anything approaching peace. It was just trauma, 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 pain, 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 suffer, suffer, suffer. You know, that's it. That's it, right? They're slaves. Therefore, nothing good happens. They're enslaved, so nothing good happens. They just got out of being enslaved. Still, nothing good happens. It's it's all just bad. It's It's all bad. Everything's bad. And that can't possibly be true right because if it literally was just you know 24 7 unending trauma eventually the body gives up and the body's like yeah bitch the fuck i don't have time for this goodbye the body and the mind are like deuces we're not doing this which means that they're you know and like i think about right now right we're having on some level, national and global uprisings, and there are people who are protesting, but there are people who aren't. There are people who, you know, going about their day, doing their job, you know, going home to their loved ones, having children, raising families, meeting partners, falling in love, getting married, eloping more so than an actual wedding, because that's a little, a little, a little difficult, or having socially distanced weddings with masks and whatever. People are doing that. At the same time, there are people in cages, people dying of disease in hospitals, um, people being disappeared into vans off city streets, and people aren't sure where they're going, right? So we have horrible things happening, right? We have, you know, literal fascism on the rise. But we also have people just, you know, fall in love living their lives, doing the things that you do every day, you know, brushing your teeth and swiping left or right on millions of dating apps or, or possibly meeting the one while socially distancing in line for Target or your local supermarket, the pharmacy, the post office. Maybe they're in line to get stamps. Maybe they're in line to find out where their packages have been because it's been three and a half weeks and USPS, through no fault of their own, is having major issues. Maybe, maybe they're on public transit because they don't have any other option or maybe they park beside each other because they got cars like all of these things can happen at the same time so all those things can happen at the same time right now in present day 2020 then that means that those all of those things happened in every year before this including the years where we tend to just focus on the atrocity main event while 
simultaneously, you know, thinking that everything else must have just been horrible and everything was bad. I mean, people fell in love during the fucking Great Depression, for fuck's sake. The Great Depression. World Wars One and Two. So you're telling me, like, they weren't going to fall in love during, like, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War? That's kind of foolish. That's kind of foolish of us to think. And so we get to see what that looks like um, through Miss Bev's books. So Midnight, right? Great title. Love it. Love the cover. It's like a black background. Gorgeous black man holding a darker skinned, gorgeous, and I mean gorgeous black woman. And we see the curve of her back and it's just, mm, yes, clinch and just delicious. They're lying on something. We don't see what. So I'm going to pretend it's a chaise um, because why not? I mean, I can't see what it is that they're lying on, but he's propped up. So I'm not going to guess at the bed. I'm going to guess it's a chaise. Um, And it is such a... I really, really, really like this book because I was like, like I said, learn things. I was like, oh, oh, hmm, yeah. I mean, I'd heard of Boston Tea Party and throwing tea in the harbor, but like, you you know, didn't didn't know a lot more Um, other than that. But we get to, through both Nicholas and Faith, we get to see what the experience is for these two black characters as well as the black characters around them um i'm like do i really want to spoil it or like do i do i stop here and then be like okay now i'm gonna go spoil so if you're like esther i still haven't read it which is fine because i just read it and you don't want it spoiled yeah i should do that shouldn't i okay so just a little bit more of the non-spoilery side if you like um sort of a sort of strong no that's not the word a character who uh, a a female character main character who knows her mind knows what she wants and knows what she doesn't want and isn't willing to settle right faith knows exactly what she wants actually no she doesn't know exactly what she wants but she knows what she does not want she knows that she is not the kind of woman who's just gonna like choose some rando from the town who's useless and or not even useless but who just thinks that like women should sit there and look pretty and never open their mouths kind of thing she's like that's not who i am i don't think so Uh uh-uh right she is just very much you know comfortable in knowing that that's not who she can be she's also an incredibly hard worker and is willing to do so much to succeed so if you like that kind of character you're gonna love faith nicholas i mean he's hot he shows up he's got money right but like it's also like interesting because like how what are the ways in which you can show that this character has money because this is obviously not our time period like you don't just like go to the atm and take out hundreds and like shower them over her or or take out your neiman marcus or maybe not neiman marcus now because they bankrupt but that's a whole other thing um but he you know but not only does he have wealth in terms of like monetary wealth but nicholas is a character who also looks for strength in others but doesn't punch down right he's not 
someone who's like, I'm just going to shit on people for the sake of shitting on people. If he comes after you, it's for a valid reason. If not, he, he, he has no business with you and he's fine. Um, and I think that that's really interesting because we do see, um, wow, someone out there is just like revving their little engine to go to a red light. It's so cute. Anyway, um, yeah, he's not someone who's like, I'm big, bad, strong, handsome, and I've got money. So now I must, you know, just make the rest of you feel like trash. Not at all. He's very much like, I have the things that I have. And I'm going to treat everyone with respect. But if you disrespect me or my people, I come for you. I come for you. And then what are you going to do? Nothing because I'm going to beat you to within an inch of your life. Um, Because it's like, ooh, killing, no, you could hang. So like, you know, just beat, beat, beat until... Um, So it's, I really like that both of these two characters are not just like, whatever, and... Their interactions aren't, there's banter and there's like clearly like he's pushing her to see how far he can push and she's kind of like, what are you doing? But none of it is mean-spirited. None of it feels, you know, awful. It feels like fun and kind of exciting and not like, like at no point was I like, oh, Nicholas Gross. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, why is he so bringing? I like him, yes. And the same with Faith. I wasn't like, oh, girl, why are you being dumb? And there was a moment, I will say this. I'm not going to spoil it. But there was a seat. There was there was this, a thing, right, that I was like, oh, this is was I was like, I really hope that we don't go down the whole, oh, this thing doesn't come out until much later. And then it blows up in everyone's faces. No, that's not what happened. Homegirl was like, so I got to tell you something. This is it. Don't be mad. Get over yourself basically you know you'll be all right and he was kind of like you're right i am fine because none of this had anything to do with me anyway kind of thing so being mad would just be kind of foolish and i was like yes yes because sometimes i feel like romances will be like instead of having the two characters have a conversation about something they'll let it turn into an an unspeakable break and then the two people are parted and then they must come together after they've dealt with the feelings of betrayal and blah. And I'm just like, but they could have just talked, though. But we could have just, they could have just, well, why can't they talk to each other? And if they can't talk to each other, what kind of relationship is this? This ain't gonna last. Motherfuckers is gonna get a divorce. But then I'm like, it's happily ever after. So maybe, like, they'll just, like, grin and bear it. <laughs> um so yeah i was really glad that that did not happen in this book um so yeah i'm going to pause here right and then when i come back i'm going to like go into midnight but like spoil 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 so if you're like esther gross i don't want spoilers because then it ruins the reading experience for me i'm never ever able to pick up the book ever again which I don't understand that, but that's not my experience, and I'm not about to shit on anyone else's. Um, then you're going to, you know, hear my cute little commercial, and then either pause or skip ahead. At the very end, I'm just going to talk about what next week looks like, and oh, a TV show thing that, yeah, that'll come after the spoiler part, and I'll have that in the show notes, so you'll hopefully read those and know and be like oh okay i can jump back in here and there are no spoilers here okay all right 
All right. Now it is time for me to talk about Midnight by Beverly Jenkins, but with spoilers. So again, if spoilers are not your jam and spoilers make you unhappy, sad, angry, full of rage, this is where you pause. Then you skip forward to the non-spoiler section where I talk about something else. Okay? All right. You've been warned. (laughs) If you continue to listen, it's going to be spoils. Okay, so Midnight, Faith, Nicholas, her trash bag of a father. Um, As you can tell, maybe by my tone, I wasn't a fan of uh, Faith's father. Stuart was garbage. Stuart was garbage on many levels. Okay, so here's the thing, right? 1775, the British are in Boston and the rebels are kind of like we want you people out Stuart is a Tory you might be like a Tory the fuck is that so a Tory I'm not sure the whole reason why sorry didn't go into that detail like I didn't research it but those are the people who were sympathetic and loyal to the king aka they were like it's so cool that King whatever is taxing us to hell and back. It's fine. We are one of his colonies. That's what we do, right? Because our leader is, you know, the king of like the empire that, you know, where the sun never sets. So it's all right. It's cool. The rebels are the people in the colonies who are like, why in God's name are we paying these people taxes for what? And I feel like there was also like issues of representation and governance and whatnot. But again, history lesson. I don't really know. Well, should probably learn it. Will one day. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. Faith's father is very much like the British are great. Faith, as his daughter, is a rebel spy and goes by the code name Lady Midnight. That's right. That's right, my friends. Faith is a spy. Faith is a spy. Now, it's interesting. The reason why why Faith is a spy is explained. Her and her friend Charity, who also is a spy, um, were both basically harassed and, you know, um, essentially, you know, attacked by a group of British soldiers. They had been on their way home somewhere. And of course, again, 1770-whatever, right? Like, there's no electricity on the roads, motherfuckers. I don't even know when Ben Franklin, like, created electricity and all that jazz. So, it's dark, woods, whatever. These soldiers forced them into the middle of a circle and then sort of pushed them around the circle and harassed them and tell them, like, the next time we catch you, it's not going, like, this is not all we're going to do, you know, as in, the next time we catch you, a rape is on the way, a rape is on the way. It's like, the fuck? So, of course, she's like, I hate these people. I hate them to hell and back. I mean, I would also be like, oh, what? Word? Okay, let me find ways to kill you. Let me find ways to make sure that y'all leave. So, Faith spy her friend charity spy interestingly charity is married to ingram who that's the man's name her husband's name and him faith and charity grew up together we're all friends together and faith believes she's in love with him she's not but she believes it but he's married to charity because that's who he loves but he is a loyalist and thinks that the rebels I mean, he. I don't think it never comes across that he thinks that the rebels are completely foolish and whatever. But he does believe in the the the, the power of the crown. 
So we've got these, you know, it's like, oh, interesting. Which I think makes, you know, if we want to bring it to, to, you know, today, like people who are married to people who, you know, think that, you know, the current person in the administration right now is fine. And the other person's like, he's fine. Nah, right? How do you reconcile those two things, right? But then what do you do? I mean, now we'd be like, leave the motherfucker or leave the, you know, leave her, him, they, whatever. Um, 1770, there's not that, there's not that really happening. And it's also like everything is still sort of precarious. Like maybe, you know, I think at first that there's, I don't think that there's hope that like there'll be some sort of reconciliation but it's kind of like well we're not sure how this is gonna go so of course faith isn't like i leave you because like and of course she's a spy in the secret because you can't be a spy out uh, out and about because then like you would hang <laughs> um and she got a son she can't she can't she can't hang for that um so that's charity that's faith right so we've got the innkeeper's daughter now here's the thing because her father is a staunch tory loyalist who stays at their inn but british soldiers including general gage so faith is privy to some some information that like if no one at that inn was uh, had any rebel ties there are so many things that could have you know that wouldn't be relayed because no one would be able to share it right so it is really cool that you know she's able to hear something and then immediately you know relay that information when the book starts right faith as lady midnight goes to her contact primus gray and tells him that he has been um that he's about to be charged for treats and he needs to get away right because you know the king's men basically are coming for him and he's packing his stuff up when there's a knock at the door and they're already there. It's too late. Like, literally, Lady Midnight tells him, but by the time she tells him, it, it was basically too late. Then the book, you know, that's the prologue. The book starts. Turns out Nicholas, our other main character, is Primus's son. So he comes home thinking he's, you know, he's been away. Him and his dad have had a bit of a falling out because they were both fighting during, I believe, it was called the Seven Year War which is, um, I think, between the English and the French for control of, I'm assuming, North America and all that. And, of course, the British are terrible. And he was with a regiment that had gone after an Iroquois lodge because they just assumed, oh, maybe these are the Iroquois that attacked these other British people. They had obviously no evidence that these were the same ones, but they were like, whatever, we're going to burn them anyway. And um shot a bunch of there weren't a lot of men so he talks about how he thinks they must have been out on a hunting party or something um but it's mainly just older men women and children and they're burning the lodge the lodge and they hear a baby crying and he realizes that there's probably a baby stuck in there and he he notices that like they're kind of like oh that's kind of sucky and he's like we can't just leave a child burning and his like commanding officer was like if you go in there to try and save the child your your company your fellow soldiers will shoot you down like that essentially saying you saving this you know iroquois child is like you deserting so he's kind of like okay but like i'm gonna save that child and like gets you know five musket balls to the back but does save the kid and eventually is 
found by a different Iroquois group who's like I think the maternal matriarch grandmother in that group was or the I think the matriarch in that group was the grandmother of the baby that he found anyway or that he saved so all that to say he's been you know traveling um was impressed you might be like what's impressed so sometimes the British Navy would be like we don't have enough people for this bow and the logic there was like well we'll just snatch any men we find and they'll have to work on the boat they don't have a choice because if not we'll kill them it's like what 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 yeah i know sounds insane huh um but shit like that happens right so he comes home thinking he's gonna you know reconcile and talk to his dad and his dad was basically arrested and died of pneumonia just weeks before he arrives. Which I'm like, oh no, what kind of, what kind of shitty coincidence is that? Like, just before you come home? Anyway, so Nicholas is a well-traveled man, partially because he was impressed by the British Royal Navy and ended up in other parts of the world. Um, not by choice, but those were just the circumstances and then we've got faith she's never left (laughs) um massachusetts um because her father like i said earlier garbaggio of a man now when i was reading i remember um thinking what is her father up to almost immediately because the way that she described like the things that the father was doing i was like okay it sounds like he doesn't do any work like she does the bulk of the work the cooking the cleaning the making sure everything is tidy um she serves you know the meals to all of to the british soldiers and whatever who never say thank you or any acknowledgement that they've they're being fed for free um so there's all these things that are happening that i'm like why is her father like this like what is wrong with him right and as the book progresses it's like oh he's just a shitty father uh but then it's like, but why is he such a shitty father? And later, eventually, we do find out that Nicholas's mother, right, may or may not have been promised or whatever, Stuart, um, that's Faith's father, um, intended. Apparently, he went off to Britain for whatever reason, because that's never explained. But when he comes back, Primus and Adeline is her name are all married and he's all like but she was mine now the way Stuart was as a character i feel like he convinced himself that adeline was going to be with him and she may have been polite and or just a genuinely kind person and was nice to him but probably never actually wanted him and primus and Stuart were friends so i was like maybe she was just nice to you because you were Primus's friend, not because she actually liked you, but you went off to to Britain thinking you were going to marry her because that's the kind of character you've shown us to be, you know, all in your head and cray-cray. And so you held life on grudge over that? He did. Uh, We, you know, eventually find out that it's Stuart who was the one that betrayed Primus to um, the crown. And it's like, oh, you're so terrible. Now, here's the thing. You might be like, okay, he's a shitty person for that. But there's more. 
You know why he's also shitty? He hits his own kid. Oh, not also that. She had money left to her by her mother. And it's not made clear if the money in her mother's trust was meant specifically for her or just in for both of them to use. But he's like used it all. And he tries to sell her. Uh, he tries to, in the process of selling the inn, also sell her hand in marriage to this guy that she can't stand because he's trying to get married to the 17 year old faith is 26 she talks about how like she's 26 and not married so she's clearly you know never going to be married because she's too old her father's trying to marry a 17 year old it's disgusting um they do get married he's not alive for very long um and this could just be this is not in the book so i feel like this is me just trying to give a character some kind of grace that may not be there um in the final scenes before he dies he's acting really like irrational and kind of angry and really just like you know and i uh, there was a brief moment where i was like what if he had some sort of like like some sort of you know heart condition or something where like his brain is being starved of starved of oxygen and nutrients or something's happening right and so his his he's you know still a terrible person but is showing to be so much worse because of that condition and then i was like maybe i'm being nice maybe he's just always a rotten individual to the core and now you're probably like esther when you said spoilers were you just gonna talk about the villain because dear lord oh uh, no i just you know had to get that off my chest because i didn't like Stuart, faith and nicholas i love them as a couple together here's the thing faith when we meet her she works for her father she has no plan to marry anyone and to be fair thinks that she's just gonna grow old with her father and they're both gonna run this in um you know preferably with you know no british rule and she's gonna take care of him in his old age and then you know she'll be a spinster probably you know aunt to her friend charity's kid or kids and that's her life that's what she is expecting of life and she's okay with it she's accepted it you know she does her part by being a rebel spy but she is not you know upset about where her life is um she believes that she's in love or has been in love all her life with ingram but ingram didn't see her that way and she's okay with that she's really happy that her friend and like that her two friends are together it's a little sad for her but she's kind of like no other man in this area you know wants me she was educated she can read and write right and so she knows that that sets her apart because it's not something that's the norm and she's just like yep i'm just gonna you know be here with my dad we're gonna run this in and then when he gets old i'm gonna take care of him and that's that nicholas comes back to town to you know uh what's the word oh yeah i had it i had it and then it's just gone to make up with his father and that's really the extent of what he's thinking he just wants to see his dad and sort of mend the fences of them like of their disagreement and he does i don't think he's even thinking about settling down in boston it's just like oh it's time i like saw my father and you know stop being a little little baby about things but that's not you know he comes to town and his father's not you know not home and has passed right and his luckily his friend and neighbor um is a childhood friend so he purchased the farm for him 
So the farm isn't gone, but his father's gone. And then he meets Faith. And, you know, as usual, it's one of those, like, she's pretty, but not for me. Right? Because he's not looking for a virgin. Because he's not settling down. He's, you know, not a man about town. He's not like, I'm a player from the Himalaya. Like, no, he's not like that. But he's just like, you know, I'm here and... But one of the things that happens, it's like, as he raps and it's like, he gets asked, like, can you take on what your father did? Which his father was a rebel spy, which surprises him, right? Because one of the reasons why him and his father had a falling out was because he chose the French side over the British side in that war. So it's kind of like, wait, my dad, who like, you know, thought the British weren't that terrible, is now, oh, or was. So we've got... You know, we've got Nicholas. He's new in town. Is like, what? But he's not a man who's like, what's the word? Mm, I can't think of it. But he's a man who's had lots of life experiences. He, like I said, was impressed by the Navy, has traveled the world, has smuggled, has, you know, done many things, lived with the Iroquois for over a year, you know, has killed. Like, he's not just some green youth some boy some untried man he is you know someone who knows who he is and is willing to do what needs to be done even when sometimes what needs to be done is not so great so we've got these two characters the first time they meet for him it's like she's pretty but you know not for me second time they meet it's like she's pretty and like not a doormat hmm but still not really for me like i'm not getting i'm not settling down but, you know, she's, you know, she gives as good as she gets. You know, she doesn't just like, she's not just an insipid, boring little female. Okay. And we start to see, obviously, it's very, you know, clear pretty soon on that there's an attraction between the two. And Faith is kind of like, what is going on? Because homegirl hasn't ever had that, right? All of the men in town have never sparked her fancy. Um, and usually instead of sparked revulsion, so it's kind of like, wait, what's happening? What am I doing? I, do I like this? Do I not like this? I don't know. And then I think where things get really sort of like come to a head, there's two things. There's, I, I feel like these two events make sense in a way. Um, actually, no, there's a few things soon after nicholas shows up there's a fundraiser to try and um raise enough funds for a character um for one of the the characters um mr oliver freeman i believe to be able to buy his wife out of slavery the owner her owner wants 80 pounds and he's got 20 pounds so they have sort of they've everyone's brought food they're having this event to try and raise the additional 60 pounds or at least see how much more that they can raise who knows maybe they can negotiate nicholas basically walks up and is like gives the man a little pouch and is like here's the 60 pounds <laughs> go get your wife and it, of course he i think it's really funny because he does this in front of everyone and i don't think nicholas does it in front of everyone and be like i'm just showing y'all that not only am I rich, but I'm handsome and I'm rich because I'm rich and I'm handsome. I think he's just like, your wife should be free. I've got the money. Here you go. We don't, we can just, you know, enjoy ourselves. And 
some people i'm sure are going to be like oh my god he's making everyone else look bad but it's also like isn't that what we want people who have money to do right if you got the money help people don't grandstand don't turn it into something bigger than it is don't make people be um is the word obsequious that's probably not the right word so scratch that but like he's just like so i think that has like faith looking at him like oh so you're handsome and willing to part with money but she doesn't i don't think she's like oh yes now i must chase you down she does think wow the you know the mothers in the area are definitely gonna throw their daughters at him because he's hot and has money right the the next sort of thing that happens is he has an event at his house um i'm trying to think he decides to host a party i guess to be like you know i'm in the neighborhood whatever or i'm you know home and he first he wants her to be his hostess and she's like i can't be your hostess like that people will talk that's scandalous what's wrong with you you fool and then he's like okay cool well will you cook right because she does all the cooking at the end so she decides you know to cut him off the past to just name a ridiculous price because he's gonna say no of course nicholas being a rich man is like all right if that's how much you want to charge it's fine and she's like are you really willing to pay that and he's like if it means you'll go yeah and she's like and it's also like because her father doesn't like him now neither one of them really know why at this point her father can't stand him and couldn't stand his father they just know that that's the case and it's kind of like oh okay and so when she does eventually tell her father he's kind of like what but she's like but he's paying us this much and he's kind of like oh money's money so all right and at that event you know he is he stands we start to see instances of him standing up for her and kind of being like no and she's kind of like wait someone's someone's standing up for for me people do people don't do that huh interesting i mean still not for me but interesting and then uh you know sort of the big would this be the inciting event i don't know maybe um her father tells her right that he's selling the inn and when he he had previously mentioned that like she needs to get married because he's gonna probably have to sell the inn because he's courting someone he doesn't tell her who at the time and she's kind of like wait what so she realizes and he you know mentions how like they're low on money and she's like well we have the trust you know mother's trust and he's in london and he's like actually no we don't like i had all that money transferred here and the money we've been using is that money and like we're gonna soon run out of it now here's the thing at no point is faith like this motherfucker just wasted all our money and she's just like okay well what can i do so that we can have enough funds so he doesn't have to sell i don't have to find a new home she's you know everyone knows that her bread is amazing she's just like i can make bread or i could take in washing and part of her is like why did he wait so long to tell me like that there are problems because i could have been finding other ways to make money before now but she's all ready to roll up her sleeves and get to work and you know make enough so that they don't have to leave their home because to faith you know that's their home and she's not thinking that her father's just like uh i don't want you here kind of thing so when he brings it up again, he basically says that he's so he's selling the inn to William Case, right? Who has always been like after Faith trying to marry her, but like treats her poorly, uh, is you know speaks of her. I feel like in a disrespectful tone is described as being you know ugly as hell kind of thing. Like ew, gross. No one wants you. So sorry. And she's just kind of like, wait, what? And he's like, and you know, you're 
you're gonna marry him and she's like I what no I'm not and she's like wait no like these are all the things I can do like and he's just like no like I'm and then he mentions like oh his new wife isn't gonna want her in the inn anymore anyway right which is why she needs to like marry um homeboy and move to his house and she's like who's the wife so he says her first name elizabeth and she's like who and he tells her and that's when she realizes it's a 17 year old child and i'm just like ew 17 but you're 26 oh god your father is a lech nasty so they argue and then he hits her and she's just like what so she's like he's like she's like i'm not marrying what's his face and he's like if you're not you you are she's like i will leave and then he says if you leave you're leaving with the clothes on your back because she starts to head towards her room and he's like nah if you're leaving you're leaving right now as is so she does and he's like and if you leave you're never coming back she leaves with the clothes on her back into a full-on winter storm in boston yeah if you have no idea what that means think snow lots of snow yes it's like a i think it's early april so quote-unquote spring but like in the northeast spring is rain light snow wind it's cold it's brutal being outside without any coat cape anything so she's walking and walking originally i think she plans to um go to her friend charity she has another friend who's a widow uh the widow Blythe, but she's somewhere else because her daughter is having the baby so she's not even home so she's like i can't go to her house because like i can't get in she ends up just having to go to the nearest house that she comes across which ends up being nicholas's house nicholas is looking out his window thank god and sees her like collapse and like runs out and then realizes who it is and nurses her back to health she's like unconscious for four days and running a fever it's awful so this is how her nicholas are now under the same roof and then it's kind of like what are we gonna do like when she wakes up and he's like i've been because she has ideas of how to make money but it's like but where will she live and he's like i need a housekeeper and she's like i can't be your housekeeper he's like well why not and she's like because it's improper and he's like says who and she's like the people and he's like who gives a fuck what the people think and she's like i mean well valid but also i can't and he's like just take the position so they they're bantering like i want to say i think it's the same day because he's pushing um he's like to be honest like i'm like you know half a step away from asking you to marry me so you know just so you know i'm not going nowhere and she's kind of like marry you what so here's what i i really appreciated on one hand faith was very much like mary like sir what are you crazy what are you talking about marry who marry me we barely know each other didn't i just accept to be your fucking like housekeeper this morning it's evening time what are you talking about but as she's thinking about it it's like okay i'm 26 no one else who remotely appeals to me is has proposed this is probably the only proposal i would want to accept that i'm ever going to have he's crazy because this doesn't make sense but at the same time this might not be a bad idea and it also means that no one can say anything about me living here because now i'm gonna be his wife not just his housekeeper and um this and he couches it because i don't think at this point he realizes what his feelings for her are but he's like it would be an adventure for both of us he's like you're someone and she's like do you want to get married he's like to you 
other women no but to you and i was like oh my god yes look at the two of you being like well if it's for you i guess i'll do it which both of them are not talking about feelings but like really if you're only willing to consider it with this person doesn't that mean something about your feelings Hmm. so that happens he proposes she says yes of course her father finds out freaks the fuck out tries to say that nicholas has kidnapped her um and the the general doesn't come himself but he sends this black man who that was the other thing that i thought was really interesting right of course we're all gonna be like oh it's historical all the soldiers are white no they're not homeboy was black 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 and like had been introduced to faith and thought she was pretty turns out he knows nicholas because he too had been impressed on the same ship as nicholas and he's kind of like when they tell him the story he's like oh wait what your dad did what oh okay yeah so so he's lying basically and it's like yep so we see you know and so then the two of them are like falling in love and he like and here's the other reason why i was like wow her father's garbage she so when nicholas goes back to the inn when she's awake to get her stuff and the father's like trying to be all big and bad um because him and will are together and nicholas is like okay let me get her stuff it's like she has like two skirts two shirts you know a very small limited amount of of clothing items all of them are worn patched you know fraying collars and hems but the dad walks around like well dressed so like you were spending money on yourself but not on your kid who is the reason why your in makes any money if it makes money at all are you kidding me because like it wasn't like she said yes to nicholas and that whole you know catering event basically and then kept the money for herself like at no point you know because that's not the kind of person she is while her father is a demon spawn so when nicholas gets the chance to spoil her he does and it's i love that i really do like when female when characters who've never had things get spoiled right it's different if you you know had things but when you've never had anything you get spoiled and it's not like crazy over the top but i do i do like that it's like yeah like let them see what they would look like and it's not like he's like oh and now that she's in pretty clothes she's beautiful it's like she's always been stunning but now that she's in like brand new clothes it's like dear god i'm gonna have to have my pistol out ready to shoot anyone tries to get close to steal my woman kind of kind of feel i love that i love that when they're just like damn it she's so stunning she's mine the rest of you look and die um so i really i did really like i think those are really sweet scenes um and then of course right we're like oh everything's right but no is it though because the british are about to right and so you know that historical scene of Paul Revere being like, the British are coming, the British are coming, right? This is the reality. Um, and so he has to go off to fight because he was able to get guns smuggled in because he does smugglers, right? And so he has to go off to fight. So then it's like the fear of like, oh my God, what if he doesn't come home? And her friend Charity, her husband, Ingram, her Faith's childhood friend, does go off to fight with the British 
and he doesn't make it and it's sad because charity is also part of so part of me is like oh god like what ends up happening to charity and her two kids and i know that like faith and nicholas definitely looked out for her and took care of her and their kids like i'm i know that at no point where they're like oh no sucks to be y'all it was like no we're gonna be there for you but it's still like a shitty thing right living through war and all that it entails um and so there's there's that sort of like oh my god what's gonna happen um but nicholas comes home and then she's like guess what like i'm pregnant um because well there's one incident right he goes off for then he comes home they spend lovely time together then he has to go off again this time he ends up being like marching all the way up to canada to capture some site and then come back down that other way to sort of like hem in the british um so she doesn't see him for a few months which like nerve-wracking as hell um but again romance so happy ending um and it's just uh it's such such a good book like i really 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 enjoyed it now um there were some quotes that i was like oh my goodness um yes so one of them was um right of course all these um black people either those who were born free or those who were formerly enslaved or those who are currently you know enslaved because there's like you can um work on a farm and uh you know you're sort of a servant for life kind of thing are fighting with the rebels to free the colonies and there's a quote that says the hypocrisy inherent in the rebels demanding freedom from the crown while they themselves own slaves is not lost upon any of us the whole concept is ludicrous but the sons of liberty and the provincial congress are being pressured by fair-minded men both here and in england to secure that freedom for everyone and so at this point in time there's this hope that there will be freedom for everyone that it won't just be freedom for you know white people or white men or white landowning men but it'll be freedom for everyone right because it is kind of ludicrous to be talking about freedom while you know having people not be free and i was like yes yes this is very like hmm and then another one that like really also really sort of struck me um faith talks mentions a few times you know she's an educated woman and that she knows how to read and write and will case like can't he's like ew gross um and actually i'm gonna read the section because i was just gonna read the one line but i'm gonna read the section it was one of the reasons she couldn't abide Will Case. He was pompous enough to believe himself capable of thinking circles around anyone, especially a woman, and had grumbled on numerous occasions that her father had wasted his money by educating her. But Faith knew he was wrong. She didn't have much fun or happiness or variety in her life, but without her precious books, she would just be existing. Okay, as someone who loves reading, as someone who thinks books are essential to life that sentence is i feel like the crop like hello should be emblazoned everywhere right without books aren't we just existing without art without creativity but like if i could not read 
I, uh, mm, what, mm, I don't know. What would be purpose? What would be life? What would I do? Um, so I read that and was like, oh, gotta make a note of this. Gotta make a note of this because, whoa. Um, and that also made me think, what happened to her father that he went from someone who was okay with having his daughter educated to trying to sell her off which is why i thought like was there some sort of like internal shit happening that like fucked up your brain chemistry and changed you as an individual because normally people who are willing to educate their children especially in this case educating a female daughter at a time when no one was doing it and then still want i mean but 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 right the net my next thought is like we can as humans because we're flawed we can be what is the word we can hold you know those kinds of not hypocrisies but those those kinds of that that kind of a thing like i'm cool with you reading and writing because that's cool but you still need to marry who I say and you still need to, you know, do what I say. And if I have to beat you, I beat you. Right. That can still those things, those two things can go exist. Um, but I did think like, well, hmm, is this what? Um, and then the the moment where I was like, oh, my God, Faith, <laughs> Nicholas is for you. Um, she. So she. Faith's, no, Charity's husband, right, Ingram, um, had come looking for Faith, right, because they were childhood friends, and I'm sure the father was like, oh, you know, Nicholas, this, that, and the other, and Nicholas is kind of like, don't get it twisted, like, and, you know, whatever, whatever, like, and Faith goes, Faith had never had anyone champion her before, but now it seemed that she did, and she found it rather nice. He was also going to invest in her idea to make herself self-sufficient. And that was rather nice, too. Here's the other thing. Here's a woman who is down on her luck, right? Doesn't have a home, doesn't have money, anything. A shitty person might try to help her, but also, you know, be like, well, I'm helping you for these, you know, but you have to help me or... I'm not going to help, you know, like he could have done, but the fact that he chose to help her make herself self-sufficient, right? It's huge because he's, he's saying, I'm okay with you being completely independent of me. I'm okay with, and, and in this case, I'm thinking of them as a relationship, but if let's say it was a different female character, what he, the message that is being sent is that he's okay with helping women achieve self-sufficiency with it having nothing to do with like oh now you have to sleep with me or or anything like that just allowing them to have the ability to become self-sufficient and have that level that that dignity that comes when you are able to provide for yourself that is huge and it also is something that sets them apart from a lot of the other men in the area and i was like oh my god like and it's it's something small but it speaks so much to his character and the kind of person he is um and i was like i love it um so yeah i really 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 enjoyed this book i realized the spoiler section is mad long um and y'all probably like 
bitch if you don't stop talking i'm kidding but no i really really enjoyed midnight um and i think you should read midnight and enjoy all of Ms. Bev's books because they are phenomenal and I cannot wait for her next book it comes out in 2021 I think it's February um but I don't remember I'll put it in the show notes but yeah all right I'm gonna pause here and then I'll be right back all right so next week um I will be talking about Archangel's Kiss by Nalini Singh that is book two and the guild hunter um series so yes that's that'll be the following monday i'm very excited um i realized i hadn't done a series reread of guild hunter so i'm really like looking forward to this um also i like watched queer eye the most current season season five which was like in philadelphia i think they do one episode in jersey but the rest are in philadelphia um and i really enjoyed it and kind of made me think about moving to philly because i was like "Mm, it looks like you could get a lot more space but then i was like but that's really far from my job but i'm currently working from home if we continue to work from home for a long time who knows but anyway um i was watching that if you guys are watching anything that's like really fun let me know also um this friday this coming friday kit rosha um, which is Brie and Donna, they're going to be talking with Miss Beverly Jenkins. Um, and of course, this is all online and it's free. So I feel like you should join because they're all fucking awesome. Um, and this is because, um, Merce, uh, whoa. Oh my God. I just had the name of the title and I forgot. I feel so dumb. Okay. Let me like look it up again because my brain has now decided to be dumb and forget the title of their most mercenary librarian's book deal with the devil god damn it i just remember the mercenary mercenary librarians part but not the the rest of the title and was like anyway they're on tour basically like virtual tour because that book is coming out i believe tuesday if i'm correct i'm pretty sure it comes out this uh tuesday and so they're going to be doing you know different different events and this one's with miss beverly jenkins so i really really feel like you should treat yourself to this and i mean by treating like all you got to do is sign up right because it's free um but yeah that's pretty much all i've got um try to stay cool it's fucking hot again i mean it hadn't really stopped but it's just gross um so drink lots of water um eat watermelon you know or cucumber or any other sort of fruit that has lots of water content in them um be kind to yourselves be kind to others wear your mask you know wash your hands and legs and feet anything else exposed to the elements basic hygiene you know um yeah and if you've got any comments please hit me up on twitter on instagram and i haven't done this before but i'm i guess i'm going to do it now um subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and if you if you could like rate or review it i would appreciate that like a whole lot like 
that would be really cool and if you want to leave feedback even if it's negative feedback that's okay right we can't grow and get better if people don't share both good and bad feedback so you can do that too um yeah that's it all right bye